this week's episode, Backwards, original air date, 14th of November, 1989. Welcome to ScottCast 13. This week I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. And Nick. Hiya. We'll be reviewing the episode backwards after a quick synopsis from Nick. The story starts with Lister and Kat discussing how hot Wilma Flintstone was. Then we go to Rimmer preparing Rap Crichton for his Starbuck pilot's flying test. While out on the flight, they enter into a time hole. On the other side, they crash land on a planet similar to Earth, which Crichton soon realises is backwards due to a sign reading Nobnol, which is London, backwards. There, everyone gets younger, people talk and move backwards, and newspapers report stories that are about to happen. They decide that they're in for a stay and decide to make some money by creating a stage act called the Sensational Reverse Brothers due to the fact that they were still going forwards in this backward Earth. Lister and Cat, after three weeks search, find the time hole and set off to find Crichton and Rimmer. Once they find them, they have a hard time convincing them to come back until the bar owner sacks their act for a fight that hasn't happened yet, but everything is backwards. Right, thank you very much, Nick. First of all, you wanted to say something about this episode, didn't you, Anthony? Yeah, it's um, this season three. Uh, obviously, we've got the introduction of Robert Llewellyn as Crichton and Hattie coming in to play um, Holly. Um, this is also the series that brings Mel Bibby in, which as the team production designer. Yeah. And he actually died. It was 15th of June 2002. And if you remember, that's the chap that was commemorated in the Back to Earth specials. Um, it was his photo that was on uh, Kachansky's uh, memorial stone. That's right, yeah. Um, and he's actually the guy that's responsible for all of uh, it, all the redesigns to the interiors. Under Grant and Naylor's um, instructions, he redesigned the interiors. So they've, they've nev- they were never happy with the drab, dull sets. And they wanted something that was more, uh, more futuristic, more like the Aliens interiors, is what I've read online. Yeah. Um, and we also get the introduction of the new titles, the rock guitar music intro, and the introduction of Starbuck to replace Blue Midget. And that's to accommodate a crew of four. Right, right, okay. Um, so basically, yeah, quite a few changes at the start of this uh, series. Excellent. Um, one thing I want to mention from the end of last season, I know we mentioned that Lister um, and his kids are never brought back up again, but they are. Um, I'd forgotten all about it, and it's the Star Wars style theme at the beginning. We've actually got it down here, so I'll just quickly read it to you. Three million years in the future, Dave Lister, the last human alive, discovered that he's pregnant after a liaison with his female self in parallel universe. His pregnancy concludes with the successful delivery of twin boys, Jim and Bexley. However, because the boys were conceived in another universe with different physical laws, they suffer from highly accelerated growth rate and are both 18 years old within three days of being born. In order to save their lives, Lister returns them to the universe of their origin, where they are reunited with their father, a woman, and they are able to lead comparatively normal lives. Well, as normal as it can be if you're born in a parallel universe and your father's a woman and your mother's a man, and you're 18 years old in three years of your birth. Shortly afterwards, Crichton, the service mechanoid, who had left the ship after being rescued from his own crash vessel, the Nova 5, is found in pieces after his space bike crashed into an asteroid. Lister rebuilds the Noid, but is unable to recapture his former personality. Meanwhile, Holly, the increasingly erratic computer, performs a head sex change operation on himself. He bases his new face on Hilly, a female computer of whom he'd once fallen madly in love with. So that kind of ties up all the loose ends from the previous season. Holly now becomes female. Um, where the two kids go? You know the space bike that runs into an asteroid. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, the space bike he rides off on, I always took it as a, it was a, a land bike. Yeah, um, it was a three-wheeler thing, it's, wasn't it's it? It's what you see Lister riding around in, but uh, did you ever get any inkling that it could actually go out into space? I suppose it could have done modified enough. Well, yeah, strap some boosters to it or something. Yeah, because Crichton doesn't but really it's, need to It's worry like about. a tricycle, though, like a little yeah, trike. Yeah, you know, see. Yeah, yeah, well. Could stick a small rocket engine on it, it'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just wanted to drift for a while. <laughs> something else i've picked up on if you know you know our over analyzing I've, I've not wrote this on the notes but um if the twins in three days grow up to be 18 years old yeah um well the crew spent three days in that um parallel universe um well, why didn't it affect their aging i don't, <laughs> don't know. worry about it it's yep. me Hi. <laughs> just a thought that suddenly occurred welcome um, back <laughs> yeah. the, you know all this all this scroll here yeah, this was actually going to be um, an episode on its own um, okay. called Dad. Okay, and it was actually partially written, um, but they scrapped it after they deemed it unfunny and potentially offensive to women. Oh, okay. These are all facts lifted straight off Wiki, so it's got to be true. <laughs> it certainly has. <clears throat> I've, actually, well, I've seen it. I've seen it a couple of other places, so it, I, th- I think it probably is. Cool. Sorry, Nick. While we're overanalyzing, mm. this was the first episode that they brought in Mel Bibby to update all the interiors on the ship. Yeah. And then the first aired episode is filmed outside the ship. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't the first one filmed. I've, I've, I've not oh, got the actual from filming Dad. order. Oh, yeah. Well, no, that was never filmed. That was just partially written, that one. Oh. Uh, but the, no, the film, it's another one where they've shown them out of sequence. Um, I've read yeah, somewhere, I can't remember who it was. Somebody decided that this was a good, strong one to start on. Okay. Okay, well, the first scene starts, and you've got Lister and Cap both laid on the bunks um, discussing Wilma Flintstone. They're basically both laid there watching telly. They're, they're discussing how much they fancy Wilma Flintstone and how she'd never leave Fred Flintstone. And it, it's quite a funny little little scene in there. Uh, but a very good start to the series, I thought. Well, I'd, I'd, I don't agree with them, though. I prefer Betty. Really? <laughs> 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 yeah, um... Yeah, I'm listening to the commentary about this, and yeah. Chris Barry, he's actually jealous. Um, I mean, jokingly jealous. He's jokingly jealous about not being in this scene. Okay. And it's quite funny because Chris and Hattie make a point of talking all over um, Danny's lines. Really? You know, and he, he's telling him to, sh- you know, shush, shush, hang on. And they talk over virtually all of his lines before shutting up and letting the, you know, scene finish off. But yeah, that made me laugh on the commentary. I, I tell you what, I did notice. I, I thought with those two being on the bed, it, everybody seems a lot more comfortable with each other. All the all the staff look like they've gelled now. I mean, all the actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think Danny and um, Dave. Oh, call him bloody Dave. I think Danny and Craig were actually um, reasonably close anyway. They were the ones that were the late night party animals, always going off to. If you remember, it was Empire that um, in, when they were filming last time in Manchester went to that drugs den in moss side that's the one yeah <laughs> uh, yeah the next scene starts you've got um starbug and as you mentioned before anthony this is um they've now got rid of blue midget well not got rid of blue midget but now starbug is the is the main craft 
And it's it's where you first see Crichton. Um, basically, you've got Rimmer there, and he's got his little clipboard, and he's he's taking Crichton on his his driving test, so to speak, in Starbuck. It's the introduction of Bobby Lou. Yeah. Well, how much better is that mask? You know, compared to the series two yeah. Crichton episode mask. Well, I think we mentioned when we did do the uh, Crichton episode that we thought the mask didn't look too good. But there again, back then they didn't. I don't think they expect it as a main character, so it was just no. kind of slap it on. Don't you think Bobby Lou's voice was very deep and seemed forced, not natural, as if we were trying to put on an accent that he knocks all the off. way through. Yeah, all the way through this episode, if you listen to it, it comes up with some funny pronunciations of particular words. And yeah, you're right; he's not quite got the voice down to a yeah. T. Yeah, no. but uh, obviously we we come to know and love the accent for the next five uh, five series. I think it improves, to be honest with you. Yeah, mm. he, it changes it, slightly. Yeah, it's very... It, it, it puts like an American twang on the end of a lot of words. Yeah. Um, you know. i tell you what I did notice on this. I mean, it's it's got the... It's got Crichton and Rimmer stood there, and they're quite small, um, small characters on the screen. And the back is just pure green screen, isn't it? It's just a picture of Starbuck. <laughs> they might as well just stood in front of, like, um, a big cloth with it on. Yeah. Well, isn't that... An, I think that's an added scene from the actual... Um, from what was first televised. I'm sure it is. I might be I might be wrong, but I'm sure that's actually... I'm, I'm, I'm poss- possibly wrong. In fact, I probably am. I'll shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're then going to Starbuck. And this, this is the thing. In future episodes, we've got the interior of Starbuck having the four seats. And then again, as you mentioned before, Anthony, it's to fit all four members. But in this scene, you've only got the two. Um, you've got, uh, obviously, Rimmer in, in one seat with the string attached and Crichton in the other seat um, but the interior looks very similar to Blue Midget I I did actually notice that and I just thought oh, I wonder if I, I wanted to look at a later episode yeah. um, and compare it you know where are the seats how big are they you know and what yeah, have you yeah. but I'd I didn't get time, as you know, I'd, I'd forgot we was recording tonight, so I've done last-minute revision. <laughs> That's fine. Did, didn't you think that um, Rimmer looked like Captain Scarlet in that little outfit? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the reason he's got the, the hat with the antenna on it, I know he wears it in some of the other episodes. Yeah. The whole reason they actually put that little antenna on his hat was to try and hide from the wire. So, you know, try and make it less visible. I think that's that made him look even more like Captain Scarlet, just the <laughs> just the cable behind him. <laughs> Basically, you've got um, you've got Rimmer saying, "Right, right, get ready." Well, he's he's acting as driving instructor, isn't he? he uh, pilot instructor, yeah, uh, flight instructor, something like that. Um, tr- yeah, training Crichton up to actually fly Starbuck. Yeah, um, but for some reason, Crichton presses the button, which ejects Rimmer. <laughs> Did you think it's odd that we've got a James Bond-style ejector scene from the uh, Starbug? I know it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, and it really does add to the scene, but I can't see a purpose for it in everyday life. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but what got me yeah. was, how are you going to eject a hologram? How's a physical <laughs> thing going to eject a hologram? Yeah. That, that, that struck me in mind, you know? Did it what hit his light bee? <laughs> I don't know. They they haven't mentioned the light bee as yet, have they? But well, I mean, I've got I've got things to say further on in the episode about hologram projection and things. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, the basically set, Rimmer gets back in and um, Crichton's like, e, "That's it, I failed, haven't I?" He's like, "No, come on, let's go, let's go." He sets off out of the the hangar bay and just 
t I mean, you can see it's, it's obviously done with a model, but it just rips the top off the Starbuck model, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> Big part of the door falls off as well. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, carry on, carry on, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> You've then gone flying along out in space, and he's carrying on with their driving test, so to speak, and he turns around and says, right, autopilot engaged, and he, it's... First time you see Hilly on the screen, it's like, well, it's not really autopilot, is it? It's Muggins here, it's me. <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny because it is, in theory. It, autopilot is is just giving it the computer to fly. But they've they've got autopilot in later series, uh, series seven, and they've got no Holly. So presumably there is an automated autopilot. Mm, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> not that we overanalyze or anything, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then you see, um, he's going through all little, um, the symbols, like what we would get, which is a stop sign or whatever. And there's mirages ahead, <laughs> mirages ahead. And it was a picture yeah. of a half naked woman or a silhouette of one. And then they point out that there's, um, a, a time hall in front of them. And I, I'm not sure how the effect was done, but it looked like just a lighting effect on water going down a plug hole. I think that's pretty much it. Yep. <laughs> it's not, not very good, is it? No, but it's 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 not bad for its day and age, is it? I suppose it's pre all this CGI computer graphics. But yeah. Now over that effect, I'll take the CGI any day. I think. Yeah, I tell you what. Basically, what what happens is they go um, through this time hole and then plummet in through the sky and land in this lake. Um, you. Th for me, the, the next bit in this is they sat there and it's like, yeah, yeah, we're all fine. We, we've crashed. Did you see out of the little bay window the size of the fish? It's yeah. like it's like they're taking a picture of a fish tank and superimposed it on the outside. They were huge. You don't yeah. think they did do that, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you mean they didn't really land in the water? <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, it's all all the exterior shots here. This They've actually gone up to Manchester for shooting on location. Oh, right, okay. So it's all sunny Manchester again. Fantastic. Oh, and another thing with this scene. Basically, they, they, they've somehow got out of Starbug, left it at the bottom of the pond, and all of a sudden they're in a, a big speedboat. I, I would have thought that in it, space you wouldn't really need a speedboat on board a Starbug. It's standard equipment for a Starbug. Well, <laughs> I'd have thought that, but I mean, it, it's just... In the future episodes, we see a lot of them on Starbuck, and Starbuck's pretty small. So to house something like a big speedboat on there seems a bit of a waste. I would have thought there'd be like a life dinghy or something. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's it's a bit overkill for um, a, a crash landing in water, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Also, I, I know you mentioned earlier, Nick, but how's Rimmer being projected? He hasn't as yet mentioned that he's got his light be how is it yeah they've, they've they've abandoned the projection cage haven't they now at yeah. this point he, he's just out on earth or, or on i think that... later on they explain it with that you know the, you get the light be explanation later on but um yeah at this point it's just they do it without any explanation yeah obviously yeah. something they decided was too restrictive yeah possibly um uh, you've the next bit you've got um holly speaking from Crichton's circular stomach screen screen yeah whatever yeah. it is on his stomach and according to the commentary that the the speech that uh, hattie actually reads out there you know about not knowing the date and well this year's calendar would be andy you know yeah <laughs> she's um th that's actually what she had to read for her audition oh right okay oh, um, fantastic yeah because it was quite good they were, they were saying well do, do you know where we are what what year it is or anything like that and says well i guess it's around about lunchtime <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, they then um, 
go down the road a little bit and see see a sign for uh, Nodnall, um, eight hundred and seventy one Selims. That's your holiday destination the other week. You <laughs> <expected>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not far off, you know. <laughs> Bulgaria. <laughs> Scene three sh- starts with um, what's meant to be a shot of London, and everything is running backwards. Um, well, yeah, it's all all the film footage is actually uh, Manchester. Um, okay. Yeah, it includes the shot of um, on the commentary they comment on the hotel and say, "Oh look, that's so and so hotel where we weren't allowed to stay because um, Craig had smashed his room up," and I'd. I guess they're referring to um, Better Than Life, where um, they made a comment on the commentary there that they got kicked out of a hotel that Craig Charles, one person was saying he'd not paid his bill, somebody else was saying he'd smashed his room up. So yeah. I, I, I might be putting two and two together here and getting five, but I assume that they're referring back to that. Yeah, sure. And also, you've, you know, you've got the shots of the buildings and traffic moving backwards and people walking down the high street in reverse. Um, yeah. There's also a guy with sunglasses on smoking a cigarette in reverse. And okay. that is actually Rob Grant himself. Oh, well, okay. Um, Holly explains the backwards theory and suggests that everything starts with a big bang and the universe starts expanding. And then when it's expanded as far as it can, then it goes to the big crunch, which... Um, everything then starts to contract, uh, which is then what gives you the backwards. And that's that's how they explain the backwards world. I don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what I did find in this scene. Basically, you, you've got Rimmer and Crichton in the cafe, and you've got Rimmer in there trying to cover his face, or oh, should say trying to cover his hologram on his head. Now, you, know, t- you know on the commentary, right? Yeah. They, they talk about Rimmer's hair, how much of a mess it is and look what you're doing and blah, blah, blah. And it's as if they've all forgotten that he's actually trying to cover the H up. Yeah, it looks... They they basically turn around and say, oh, it was a bad day for makeup. You look what they've done to his hair. And to me, it's it's obvious, and you know, you've come to the same conclusion. He's sat there covering his H up. He's self-conscious about this great big H stuck on the middle of his forehead. Yeah, yeah. One bit on this scene where you've got the woman drinking the cup of tea and eating the eclair backwards. And the way she's eating it, I can I can only imagine how she eats it forward. It's like somebody hasn't eaten for about a month or yeah. drunk for about a month. It's just disgusting. She just shoves it in. Well, the actress hated doing it apparently at the time as well. She, you know, they reckon she really hated doing that scene. Yeah, because it was kind of disgusting the way she were eating it then. Just a bit, won't it? This is um, on the commentary again. Um, the waitress mm. that comes in is uh, Maria Friedman. Okay. And she's actually a Broadway star. And I got to laugh on the commentary because you've got Chris Barry and I think it's Craig Charles agrees with him saying that, um, oh, it's uh, Maria Friedman, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, she sang the Red Dwarf theme tune. And um, all the others are going, oh, did she? Did she? Oh, I thought it was so-and-so. And it ends up, they got it wrong. It was somebody totally different. <laughs> You've got Chris Barry trying to accredit it to Maria Friedman. <laughs> and Craig Charles agreeing with him. <laughs> you see, even they can't get it right. No. <laughs> so we've got no chance. Didn't you think, right, basically, for those that you haven't seen it, the Rimmer's there covering his H in this cafe, and you've got Crichton that comes in. Obviously, Crichton's mechanoid and stands out like a sore thumb. He comes in wearing this big cloak uh, with a Ronald Reagan mask. <laughs> and for me, he, he, he just looked to me like like Darth Vader. If he'd have come in with a Darth Vader mask on or something like that, the, the body of the cloak and everything would have just been that. He, 
Crichton's obviously been out to to go get a paper, and he suggests that everything's in reverse, and he's he's discussing um, how there's like a bank raid and three people were brought to life, and and just, just basically how everything happens in a in a reverse world, how how we think like things like death are a bad thing in their world, people are coming to life. Did you did you hear him stutter the words sawn off shotgun? The, he gets the Mickey taken out of him a bit, Robert Llewellyn, on the commentary because he really yeah. does. He stutters the words. I think he calls it a sawn off shotgun. Um, uh, Last his problem. Yeah, well, his first recorded scene on uh, Red Dwarf was actually yeah. him lighting candles with a flame from his finger. You know, like the okay. old British yeah, yeah, gas yeah. ads. Yeah. And he was wet from the um, from sweating and what have you. Uh, didn't yeah. realize how hot the suit was going to be. And the device kept giving him little <laughs> shocks, you know, which obviously he's in a lot of pain, you know, really trying to put up with it. And they ended up actually cutting the scene, cutting that scene altogether, mainly because of his poor line delivery. Really, uh, he wasn't very happy because he'd put up with so much discomfort about, you know, oh, over no. that. Um, but yeah, he's. Um, it, it comes back again to the funny accent he does. I think he struggles verbally when he first comes into this role. Yeah, yeah. Was I can only assume that they've said, uh, "Do do give you some mechanoidish type voice." Well, he's lucky he, to have the role at all, isn't he? Because he originally yeah. went back to David Ross, asking him to come back. Yes. Yeah, what? yeah. But it was he was busy in a stage back? show. Well, I'd right. I'd read somewhere that he was busy doing. Um, it, it was another TV show, but yeah, I've uh, looking again today, and it is actually um, I can't remember the name of it, but he was working on a play somewhere, so he could Flea in her ear. The what? Sorry, Flea in her ear. That was what okay. the stage play was called. There we go. Okay. There you go. Every day is a school day. <laughs> Um, I think you mentioned, you may have touched on this earlier, Anthony. Um, the woman's cleaning the table um, forward, but acting reverse, and I don't think it works. Basically, she, she throws down her box, which has got a lot of rubbish in, which in reverse, that would have leapt up into, into her hand and all the rubbish would have jumped into it. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, I don't know, I can only assume that playing backwards all day can <laughs> proper mess with your head. <laughs> and it just... You could see when um, later on, when one of them walks out of the water and gets dry, that it's very, it's very hard for them to walk normally, to look normal going forwards when they're actually walking backwards into the water. Is it Lister that walks yeah, into the yeah, water backwards right. and the, the yeah. forwards? So it must have been a nightmare to film. Well, yeah, I mean, you've just got so much to take into consideration, though, haven't you? If you imagine everything that you do backwards, it, well, I don't know. Anyway, um, they they basically they realise they need to get a job because of um, they've crashed Starbug, and because obviously they do everything forward or reverse in their world, um, that they decide to go for a novelty act. Now, I mean, I'm not being funny, but they've obviously got to that cafe and they've done everything in reverse. There, if I if I was in a cafe and somebody walked in reverse undrank a cup of tea or <laughs> you'd be like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> next scene starts you've got cat and lister in starbug right you notice Thanks. um cat's outfits is is instead of just a sharp suit they've actually gone really um i, I don't know what the word is just a lot more stylish it's not really yeah. a suit as such it's not just dressed smart and in a, you know a nice pink suit with nice creases down the leg or anything like that. They've actually mm. gone for proper outfits, you know, with accessories and what have you, you know, really yeah. gone to town this season on his outfits. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've just stand out. 
Um, Because he mentions that um, they've been searching for Rimmer and the Crichton for the last three weeks. And (laughs) the cat says, listen, buddy, they're gone. But on the good side, listen, buddy, they're gone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he's saying how how he hasn't, I think he permed his leg hairs for the last three weeks because he's been out looking for them. And then they find the orange swirly thing, which, as we've seen from the previous scene, is the time hole. Then they they, they obviously go through it and get to Earth. Now, one thing I've noticed is the... uh, I'm fed up, I keep saying that. One thing I've noticed, I I always start (laughs) with the same line. (laughs) But anyway, one thing I noticed was... um, (laughs) As they come into land, before they've landed... Um, yeah. Lister reads the Navicom. He says, we're on okay. Earth. And he knows that they're on Earth. And when, you know, he knows the year and what have you. And he knows all that from the Navicon. Well, how come the team in Starbug 1 didn't realise that? Oh, well, they, they had, had Holly, you see. Well, they had to land and ask Holly. And Holly turned around and basically say, well, without a calendar, I can't tell you. Without well, today's sh- paper, today's paper would be a help, you know. Well, so, I wonder yeah. if Starbug 2 was better catered. Um, because Starbug 1 crashed, didn't it? Now, Starbug 2 didn't crash. It just nicely, happily landed. But the, when they did land, they, they raised the cloak. When, <laughs> when Starbug had a cloak... <laughs> you know what? I missed, I missed that. They yeah, because... Klingon technology on board. Yeah, they, they just cloak it up, and you've just got the stairs coming out, and... Because he, he like bangs on uh, on Starbuck as he comes down the steps and it's, mentions something in the lines it's very, of... It's very similar to actually, reminds me of the um, Star Trek movie with the whales. Is it Star yeah. Trek? And they do the same thing with the Klingon bird of prey, don't they? Land in a park and make it invisible and people are running into it and what have you. And it's as, in, if, as if they've borrowed the idea, you know, from Star Trek. Battlestar yeah. Galactica did it as well. Yeah. And they landed on Earth. One thing I noticed in this... Sorry, I'm just as bad as you, Anthony. <laughs> One thing I noticed in this... <laughs> it's like a competition, like like we're trying to find as many flaws in it as possible, but we're not. We, we do actually like it. Uh, we actually love Red Dwarf. Um, it's just the fact that, as I said, when we sit down with the pad and pen, we just notice things that we wouldn't normally notice when we start I've, I've watching an episode. I've I'm actually a Hyperdrive fan and I hate Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> coming next week the hyperdrive podcast (laughs) no that's a joke there was nothing wrong with hyperdrive but it just wasn't red dwarf no tried to be it it tried to be a lot but uh, anyway anyway one thing you noticed Darren (laughs) yeah one thing I noticed (laughs) was you know when um, Lister's looking at the homing beacon the, the homing device to try and find Starbug 1 I swear that's like a talcum powder tin. It's it's a lump of plastic. When when Craig Charles he like taps it, and yeah. it just makes a real plasticky, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they 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 actually do refer to that in the um, commentary again. I'll keep telling you about the commentary. No, um, it's, it's good. At yeah, least one they, of us they, re- to it. <laughs> they refer to it in the commentary again that it's um, you know BBC props at its best and what have you. Yeah, because I mean the top does look like um, like your normal funnel top for like a salt shaker kind of thing. Yeah, like a pepper pot top. Anyway, Lister gets off it and he finds out that he's got a broken rib and a bruised eye, um, and he's no idea where it's all come from because he doesn't understand yet that everything's backwards. The next scene kind of cuts to him. He kind of get bubbles, then he walks backwards or forwards out of the water, which I think th- this scene is done very, very clever, and it does look very good, and it does look like he's walking forward. 
Uh, but he, he gets out of the water and he's bone dry. You can tell. <laughs> if you, you know, if you look at his jacket, I don't know if you can actually see it in this scene, but his mm. Lister's new attire, he's got this... Yeah. Um, uh, they've gone for a very punk the, look, yeah, it's, it's a leather jacket uh, with patches and badges. Um, uh, and, I mean, he keeps this sort of look right through the rest of Red Dwarf, even up yeah, to the yeah. few Back to Earth specials. Uh, yeah. There's actually a patch on the back of a red-haired woman riding a rocket. Okay. Uh, which, if you keep an eye out in future, uh, originally that was going to be Wilma Flintstone riding oh, the rocket. Okay. Uh, but then they changed it for, you know, uh, image copyright reasons. They, they weren't sure where they stood with it. And they decided just to go with uh, uh, the design they actually settled on. But, yeah, originally that was supposed to be Wil- uh, Wilma Flintstone. Going down all the trees, you've got a picture of Rimmer and Crichton. And the words are on backwards, but it actually says the Sensational Reverse Brothers, George and Dragon, Kipling Street. Um, and it's all in reverse. But these... Luckily, these are posted on all the trees where they crash Starbuck. <laughs> Even though it's like um, there's, there's no footpath or anything there either, is there? It's just, no, no. It's just <laughs> looking out on the lake for any passing boaters. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is to say that they're actually meant to be in London, um, and the sign says they're 178 miles from London. That's like postman bloody what Doncaster. <laughs> <laughs> But if you, if you think about it, distance-wise... Yeah, yeah, yeah true. So they put it's a lo- like, local event on uh, 178 miles away from the venue. Yeah, they, uh, oh, does it? Did they actually stay? They go to London, or do they just head to the nearest town? I don't... See, I've always I assumed think, that they see a signpost for London, and so that's where yeah. they head, but I don't think they ever actually state that they've gone to London. Well, I think with the signpost showing everything running backwards, that would suggest that they were going there, and... And all the script is referring to London over and over again. Busy London restaurant requires dish dirtier. Right. Um, yeah. So they are in London then. It would suggest that they Magnetizing are in London, yeah. They, well, they've been there three weeks. They're drawing in a big crowd. <laughs> <laughs> For the size of the place, though. Anyway, anyway, overanalyzing. Let's crack on. <laughs> they, they come across the same sign as um, what Rimmer and Crichton came up against and they say Nodnell and Lister's like oh I remember this from geography it's not it, it it's in Bulgaria <laughs> now I don't know what they've got against Bulgarians but every time they they mention something reverse they always mention um Bulgaria and every word ends in ski <laughs> like beer ski please ski <laughs> thanks ski very much ski <laughs> yeah <laughs> bud ski <laughs> <laughs> Then you've got Cat saying, oh, I'm glad I came with you. He says, yeah, yeah, we're the smart party and do the little Red Dwarf shuffle dance, yeah. which has <laughs> always made me laugh. They then get to where you got to this couple making out and they jump on the bike and head backwards on it, which... Wound me up somewhat chronic. Why? <laughs> the way he sets up. <laughs> they just roll yeah. off, don't they? <laughs> because yeah. because it's this overanalyzing thing. Yeah. Some of the backwards laws apply, some of them don't. When they went... In the last episode, when they went back and the laws applied to List, and that's why he got pregnant. Yeah. So if they go back to this world, surely they go backwards. Yeah, I guess. They get on the bike and they go backwards. Yeah. But are they in the same dimension? No, they're in the same... It's only a time hole. It's not a dimension hole, is it? So they've only... They're only in the same universe, but in a different time. They're in a time when the space is contracting rather than expanding. So why would the bike go backwards? As opposed to a different plane of... I, I don't know that. <laughs> 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 I, 
I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll phone Mr. Hawking. We'll ask him. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing. One thing I forgot to mention before was, I know where the the world is running backwards, and hence hence the episode backwards, and everyone and everything goes backwards. But in a backwards universe, you wouldn't write the lettering backwards. No, I I thought that the the writing would still be the right way round. Yeah, because you you notice it in a later scene. Mm. Yeah, because in a later scene they've got um, the full menu on the board, and everything's backwards. Yeah, they got the. Um, Oh, I'm trying to avoid saying that line again. Uh, they got the the van driver that they approach, yeah. and they show him the poster, this backwards poster. Yeah. And the poster they show him is actually in black and white. Yeah. Okay. Every poster we saw on the tree was in full color. Yeah. And I just wonder where they got this black and white photocopy from. I don't know. Maybe it de-evolved. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they get the photocopy later, but because time's running backwards, it's already in his back pocket. That's possible, yeah. <laughs> the next scene starts, and they're in the pub um, in the Georgian Dragon mentioned in a scene before. And the compare comes out and does, does his entire scene in reverse. Our friend Tony Hawks again as the compare. Certainly is, yeah. They're the same one from um, Better Than Life. And he is he's the luggage well. in um, Stasis Leak. He's the luggage in Stasis Leak. That's the one, yeah. He's in Better Than Life. He appears later on as well, don't he? Um, Rimmer suggests um, basically they they both come out on stage in reverse, and Rimmer suggests that Crichton would eat an egg forward because it would be the opposite way around for them. Um, Which is basically somebody spitting the egg, equivalent to somebody spitting some egg on a spoon and putting yeah. it back in its shell. <laughs> yeah, which is quite disgusting. But one thing I want to know is if if Crichton um, can speak in backward speak, so to speak, why isn't he doing the the voiceover? Because again, the mechanoids not. I, I don't think mechanoids can eat, can they? And especially I, not drink water like they do in the next bit. I think they can eat. They eat in uh, Legion, doesn't he? Or oh, is that yeah, some special mechanoid food that they've done in Legion? He, he sits there with them weird... Yeah, the, the forks. But anyway, I, I would have thought because because he's speaking backwards or can speak backwards, he'd have been the one saying, here's Rimmer and he's going to do this. Yeah, so they'd actually understand. Because, I mean, yeah. he says he's going to eat an egg forward and they all stand there, they all gasp in shock. Yeah, they wouldn't actually have understood what he'd just said. Yeah, mm, and then at the end of it, he throws the egg to somebody, which catches it, but they wouldn't catch it, because that would mean the guy would have come in with the egg in the first place. And thrown it at him, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it is, the whole episode is asked about tit, and not in the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. You've got uh, the cat and Rimmer, um, sorry, you've got the cat and Lister uh, walking into the bar, and if, if everybody's in there and they've gone to see this amazing back, uh, the Reverse Brothers... Why wouldn't they notice that two other people have just walked in backwards and, and walked up to the bar? Unless they think they're like groupies or a fan club or something. <laughs> Maybe it's a new movement. <laughs> it's because the stage show's just got them totally enthralled. They're sat there and they can't take their eyes off them because it's so amazing. Yeah. Somebody can vomit water into a glass. <laughs> Somebody else can spit an egg out. <laughs> yeah. But they go to the bar and they're trying to order a beer. But again... If everything was in reverse, the two empty pints would have been waiting for them when they walked in, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? And then they would just spit those up. And but anyway, because um, they asked the guy what he's drinking, and he goes Erskib, which is bitter backwards. 
But again, before they asked him, they, he would have had to say what the answer was for it all to be in reverse. Mm. Anyway, so uh, I think the our brains. Are... Never, I know. I know. When he says Erskip, that that is actually bitter backwards. You know, that is yeah, actually yeah. reverse speech. But it's it, it's weird the way it sounds. You know, you yeah. would imagine that Erskip would be bis. You know, some with an S in it. Yeah. Um, which I mean, I mean, it's nothing to do with the story whatsoever. But just the way the T's sound like an S when you play it in reverse. Yeah, uh, you expect it to more, be more like Rittib or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, not like I say, no to do with the story, but um, <laughs> I was distracted at this point. My mind was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't keeping me in gross. Go on. <laughs> um, uh, one thing, I mean, we've mentioned this on a couple of other episodes before, is Craig Charles cannot drink, can he? Well, Ian said he's ashamed to be a, call him a scouser, didn't he? Because he can't drink. <laughs> well, I mean, he does it with the pint again. Even though he's drinking it in reverse, it all comes from down his chest or all over his chin. <laughs> he just now, can't down a pint. Now, do they... I know. I think, I think I made this point before. Do they do that yeah. deliberately to show him as a slob? Or can he just genuinely not drink a pint, not neck a pint? So I wonder if it's a bit of character acting. He might do. Are we crediting too much to Lister, to um, Craig Charles? The next scene starts, you've got Crichton and Rimmer, and they're in the changing rooms with Lister and Kat. And they're suggesting that they want to stay in the backwards world and how everything's really good in here, um, and how people come to life, there's no such thing as disease. Yeah, well, I had to chuckle at the commentary on this bit. When they was filming this scene, um, the actors actually all got into trouble from the uh, directors and what have you for messing around during filming. And they yeah. pointed it out on the commentary. And if you look closely, you can actually see that um, most of them are actually smirking. They're struggling to keep a straight face. Uh, they're avoiding eye contact with each other. And it sounds like this was a pig of a scene to do because they just got the giggles. Oh, uh, no. And yeah, they got into quite a bit of trouble for it. So enough trouble for them all to remember it, you know, years later when they're doing the commentary. Oh, no. <laughs> There's nothing worse, though, you know, when you've got to try and keep a serious face and you can do nothing but smirk. Just, oh, just I, eye contact with somebody. It's awful. I used to do it at school all the time. The amount of times we used to get kicked out of a lesson, me and a couple of others. And yeah. the funny thing is we'd be, we'd be laughing about different things. You know, he, he was laughing at some of the the teacher had done, I was laughing at something somebody else had said, and you just feed off each other's giggles. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No. Hmm. <laughs> um, the, um, Crichton and Rimmer are explaining why they think this, this, this world is a lot better, They're saying there's no death, um, war in reverse is a good thing because it's going to bring a lot of people to life. Craig then says, yeah, but what about like Santa? He, he's the he's the guy that comes down and steals the kids' favourite presents every <laughs> every 25th of December. Um, and then you've got the, uh, the compare uh, coming in and saying um, they're both getting fired because of a fight that they're about to have and they're never going to work the club scene again. It's our good friend Arthur Smith again, isn't it, as the yeah. compare? And you can catch it on the Smeg Ups or the Smeg Outs video. Um, when he comes in and makes that speech, obviously it's all played in reverse and he's yeah. shouting, raving, waving his finger and you can't tell what he's saying. Yeah. When he plays it the right way round, he basically walks through the door and, say, you know, and he's, it, it, 
there was nothing scripted. He just made it up as he went along, and he's pointing at him. He's going, and you, and you, and you, and I don't know what I'm saying. And if anybody bothers to rewind this to see what I'm saying, <laughs> and it, yeah, just has a bit of a rave, you know, that he makes up on the spot. It's actually, um, I think it's one of my favourite things from this scene, from yeah. this episode, is actually catching what he actually says the correct way round. You know, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's it really funny from Arthur. To then realise, to then go back up to the bar and have like a reverse fight <laughs> and Lister realises where his black eye comes from and, and where his back gets cut to shred and everything and he gets thrown through a, a window backwards and everything. Rumble. <laughs> yeah, um, which is quite fun. I mean, I'd like to see that fight in forward because you, you just see Lister at one point just dive upon a chair and just dive into this crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I like the bit where he goes crawling out of the pile on the floor yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i must admit this is probably of all the scenes that shot in reverse and the playing it backwards and what have you this is actually my favorite you know this one fight scene at the end yeah you know, yeah actually, actually laugh at this one as opposed to smile and think oh god that's crap you know <laughs> <laughs> i know what you mean um anyway the 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 reverse fight is just like a, a massive cleanup so when it's all finished everybody sat at the tables and everything spotless and as they're walking out and um, the cat walks up unscrews the bottom of the donations jar and takes all the money <laughs> but it, that in reverse he wouldn't unscrew the bottom no. and put it in he'd have turned it upside down and the money would have come out of the slot He's so generous, though, isn't he? I mean, oh, he is, yeah. He filled it. <laughs> or unfilled it. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, where where is he going to spend that money? <laughs> what, with the all the dates the wrong way around on the coins? The queen yeah. looking over the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if everything is in reverse, then, um, yeah, all the coins will be stamped backwards, won't they? Mm. The next scene starts and you've got the black cab taxi driver dropping him back off, which again makes me think that they were in London. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Because um, he drops him off. I mean, it's one of your standard uh, London hackney carriages. Um, you mean like the ones we get here in Nottingham as well? <laughs> yes. And, uh, and we in... didn't back then. Don't worry. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the taxi tips them 50p and he says, oh, you're a bit tight <laughs> because he... one thing that always got me at the end of the scene is they they all head back to Starbuck well uh, we assume it's Starbuck 2 because Starbuck 1's at the bottom of the pond surely if they're able to get a speedboat out of Starbuck 1 surely they can go in there and get supplies uh, get it out of there somehow and they won't just leave it at the bottom of this river yeah it's not this is it's something that didn't occur to me till you pointed it out actually on the notes yeah that they leave they leave behind um, one of the Starbucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can assume that between episodes they went back and fetched it or something daft like that, but now it's um, it's obviously just one of those little red dwarf things that you're supposed to overlook. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I suppose it's not over Overanalyze it. Mind you, it's not much overanalyzing here. It's just a point of fact they left one behind. <laughs> yeah, uh, unless th- there's an entire scene that's cut and they just pull it out. <laughs> or they go back to red dwarf to go and get some well, Do we equipment. see them all go in the same ship? Well, they're all climbing up the same stairs because you've got Rimmer and Lister at the top and saying, where's Cat? Yeah. And he's like, oh, they're in the, in the bush, uh, which then leads on to the scene where Cat <laughs> is in the bushes going for a little poo. And 
and it's it's a reverse world, so the poo goes up instead of down. <laughs> now, now this is um, before the Easter specials. I, yeah. I I set the kids a marathon task of right. You've got so many weeks. Um, you've got all the Red Dwarf to watch to catch up, and if you catch up with them all, I'll let you stop up and watch the Easter specials. Oh, so cool. they went on a, a Red Dwarf marathon, you know, catching up on all the episodes. Yeah. And around about the time that they were up to series three, yeah, uh, gone to get some school shoes, um, and we're having the youngest one's feet measured at Clark's in um, Victoria Centre in Nottingham City Centre, and um, she turns around to the the girl that's fitting the shoes and she says, "Do you like Red Dwarf?" And this girl says, um, "Oh yeah, I like Red Dwarf." And she says, I like Red Dwarf. You know what my favourite episode is? And she says, you know what my favourite bit is? And she says, no. And she goes, the bit where Cat goes for a poo and it goes back up his bum. <laughs> and and I, I, I mean, I, I wrote about it at the time on the forum, but uh, I actually walked away laughing, leaving my embarrassed wife there scowling at me. <laughs> I went to have a look at some boots or something. <laughs> yeah, you're in the doghouse for the rest of that day, I believe. <laughs> yep right well that's the episode review over and we'll be doing the score shortly um boz um has been kind enough to send in an audio comment um very luckily it came up on my screen as (laughs) as we were recording so boz you got it in time well done lad i'll just play yours now oh guys guys i was trying to get back on point get some red dwarf and watch it so that when it came to series three i could give you some feedback uh, hi, it's Carl Bosman here, or Boz from Here Goes Nothing. Um, Backwards is one of my favourite episodes they ever made. I know a lot of people slate it, but uh, Nodnall, look, it's Nodnall in the Netherlands. Something like that. I, I loved that. The cat coming out from behind the bush with his hair sticking up in the air. Um, the the One of the best lines in Red Dwarf history that um, Santa Claus is a miserable old git who climbs down the chimney and steals kids' presents. I just thought it was genius. So I had to get my two penneth in about backwards. Um, I'm loving the show, guys. Keep it going. And uh, I think that's all I'm going to say. I wish I could have watched it and given a more in-depth critical review, but you know me, seat of the pants. Cheers, guys. Bye. Right. Our scores. Um, thanks very much for that, Boz. For those of you that don't know Boz, um, Boz, or Cart Bosman, as he's known around the internet, he's actually, um, if you remember right, I think it was way back in season one of Scuttercast, we, um, it, it was a podcast of the week called Here Goes Nothing. And That's Boz right. is actually the host of Here Goes Nothing, one of our uh, online internet friends. Um, he's also started another podcast called Boz Narrator, which I'm sure we'll... Uh, find time to talk about sometime yeah. so uh, yeah if you if you like the sound of his sexy voice uh, here goes nothing podcast yeah however we we, we disagree with you boss sorry <laughs> <laughs> well no, yes, not scores <laughs> <laughs> yes scores um i did think the episode was cleverly done as i've mentioned a couple of times now there's no way i could have written this episode um, it had just taken far too much brain power for me, um, but I do I do think there were some there were some good one liners, especially the cat, um, as as you mentioned as well, Boz, um, and also the the thought of how how people we see as good like Santa Claus would be in reverse, very evil in in their world. Um, so yeah, I give it a six out of ten. Oh, oh, by the way, I've mentioned my score this week as I forgot last time. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed. 
See, it all goes to pot when I'm not here, when you ban me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you'll be out paying ship again, lad. <laughs> um, Nick, what do you reckon? I'll give it a five out of ten. It, okay. It's a nice idea. It was done all right, but there's just so many things that don't tie up and all that. But the cat at the end just made it for me. So, yeah, five out of ten. Cool. And finally, Anthony? Um, I've gone for five out of ten as, uh, as well. It's um, it's fine until they get to Earth, and I don't like all the backwards effects. They take me totally out of this episode. Um, I mean, you can't even appreciate the acting of Chris Barry properly, you know, because everything's running backwards. Yeah. Um, continue, continuity issues, you know, if they were to play it forwards, continuity issues and what have you. So, no, I've yeah. gone for a five out of ten. Sorry, Boz, I, I didn't like this one, which... It's a shame. I mean, it's it's a well thought of episode, isn't it? This one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know we haven't mentioned it, but there's the entire book that were written. Well, yeah, a whole book universe. based on, you know, this episode. You know, so but yeah, we've um, we, we've not scored it very highly, any of us. And no. I mean, to be honest with you, I can't see Ian going more than uh, I can't see Ian or Andy going much much higher than what we were if yeah. we were going to. In fact, Andy had probably get to three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's 16 out of 30. That's uh, 53%. So I think that might be the lowest one we've scored yet. <laughs> we'll be getting on to Groovestown after a quick advertisement from a new project coming from the Fiction Shed team called Star Trek Genesis of the Bog. So, how do you feel about joining me on a little expedition? Hi, I'm a Klingon. And no one from the house of Moog turns his back. I wouldn't expect anything less from you, Mr. Worf. Or should I say, Chancellor Worf. Anyway, I'll be in touch soon. Take care. Picard, out. We'll see you soon. Worf, out. And so it begins. A new adventure. With some old friends. And some old enemies. Join fictionship.com for Star Trek Genesis of the Borg coming soon Alright dudes what's going down in Groovetown then? Right, Groovetown, um, I think to be honest you've got the most to say on this haven't you? Yeah, I've, um, uh, I came back off my holiday and just before I went I realised I've got no you know how you can set Google up to on like an auto search yeah um, I've I've never set it up for anything, um, and I thought, why haven't I? You know, we're doing a Red Dwarf podcast. I think you already do, don't you, Darren? Yeah. So I've I'd, I've set it up. I came back off my holiday, and um, it, most of it's just uh, a bit torrent of back to earth, bit torrent of this. It's stuff that's not really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but one of the uh, one of the I obviously asked for a search on Rob Grant and Doug Naylor. And yeah. One of the stories that came up is that Rob Grant is appearing in a stand-up. Okay. And now I don't know if it's going to be jokes and gags or just um, stories of his life. It's 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 described as a comedy, you know, not like a stand-up routine, but I think it's just funny tales from his, you know, from his experiences. And that's on it. Um, it's a handy one for Blakey, actually. It's at Norwich Playhouse on December the 11th. Oh wow! Cool. And you can currently book tickets for that online, uh, fifteen pounds a ticket. Um, and I noticed at the same venue, you've got Arthur Smith from this episode. He's appearing on the third and the fourth of September because obviously he's a more established uh, stand-up artist. It's, yeah, yeah, sure. 
Um, so there's that, and then I was looking tonight, and I, I glanced over at the Ganymede and Titan, and it's a story that's gone on literally today that okay. Robert Llewellyn is also going to be doing some uh, uh, a stage appearance, appearing on stage, and he's appearing with uh, Richard Herring and Robin Ince, okay. and that's going to be November the 3rd at the Bloomsbury Theatre. And ticket, tickets aren't yet on sale for that. That's 12th of August. Uh, but yeah, I spotted that one on the Ganymede and Titan. Brilliant. Okay. Um, I think apart from that, there's nothing really going on in the Red Dwarf world. No, no, no fresh news. Uh, I mean, the un- well, I think the only thing I'd want to say is that I don't realise how fast this year's going. And before we know it, we're all going to be finally meeting up in, um, in Dimension Jump. It's not long, is it? No, I mean, we're in August now, so August, September, October. Uh, so, eight weeks. Better get my outfit done. <laughs> <laughs> How long is it going to take you to buy a hitch on your forehead? <laughs> yeah, that's about the sum of it. <laughs> Welcome to the Parrot's Bar, the place you can drink a curry-flavoured tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out. Right, Pirates Bar. Again, a quiet week. I was on a holiday last week, and the week before, um, Anthony was on a holiday, hence why he wasn't here. and wasn't yeah. actually made to paint the ship. <laughs> no. It's, um, I don't know about your holiday. Mine was, it was fairly uneventful. Weather was not, I mean, lousy weather everywhere else, but down, uh, I was down in Clacton, and down that part of the country, we actually missed most of it, so I had oh, right. decent weather. Um, the only story I've got really to tell from a holiday is the actual bloody drive down there. I've got a car. I've only had it a few months. It's a, it's a 53 plate. It's um, quite a low mileage. I think it's on the original tyres. And we, we set off down there and I had a blowout okay. so, into the side of the road. It, were, it was a dual carriageway and there was no hard, uh, no hard shoulder. So I'm parked off on the grass and... It was almost brown trousers time when you're trying to get out the door with all these lorries, oh, you know, trundling by. So we've got suitcases and everything. The boot is rammed up to the top. You know, we've even got the kids' scooters, you know, in the this back of this car. Mm. So lug everything out, everything out, get to the spare wheel. Well, got the car jacked up and loosened this bolt, loosened that bolt. And I come to the bloody um, locking wheel nut. Yeah. Oh, where's the fitting? And I've got literally everything in this car. You've got the little bag that the jack comes in and you open it up and the guy in there has put all these little spanners. Uh, it's, it's as if Rimmer had, had sorted it. Do you know what I mean? These little spanners all wrapped up in a neat little cloth. <laughs> yeah. No no locking wheel nut. Oh, no. So it was like, what do you do? So luckily I'm in the RAC. Give him a bell. Uh, wait a couple of hours for the RAC to arrive. Uh, I, th- I think it was about an hour, actually, we waited. He comes, he's looking at it. Well, how am I going to get it off? I'll knack you a locking nut. I says, look, it's no good as it is. He just, <laughs> you know, just take it off, you know, take it off. See if we can get it back on, on the spare wheel. That'll do me. I just want to get on bloody holiday. I want to get booked into this uh, caravan site. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I wasn't towing a caravan. <laughs> I'm not a caravan <laughs> tower. Anyway, so um, he puts this... Um, it's like a reverse thread uh, cutting. It, it cuts into it, creates its own thread. 
Right. But okay. it's an opposite feed thread. So as you're tightening that onto it, yeah. eventually it grips it tight enough so that it'll actually loosen the nut. Right. Okay. So he does that. The locking nut's knackered. That's fine. I can go and buy some more. Uh, I think actually the car was from, it was from a reputable garage. So I was going to sort all that out on the warranty. Yeah. Now these are the original tires. Um, it's got alloy wheels on this car, and I don't know if you know, but alloy reacts with the steel of the hub. Okay. Sticks to it. It it binds it. It oxidizes and sticks to it. And he couldn't get this wheel off. So he does no more than go into the back of his van, and he comes back, and it's what looks like a wooden mallet, great big, about two foot long handle on this um, hammer. Yeah. But it looks like a wooden mallet. And I thought, well, bloody hell, he's not going to hit the wheel with that, is he? And I'm a bit nervous because it's a wooden mallet. Surely you put a block of wood on it first and then hit that because it looked like it was going to hit the face. Sure yeah. enough, no block of wood, whack on the face. This wooden mallet's got bloody copper ends on it. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's, it's bang onto my wheel, bang onto my wheel. I thought, Jesus, you know, and he's, he's going to bend it, what have you. And... I didn't give it much. Once he got the wheel off, I'm that relieved to get this spare wheel on and I'm off, you know, we're on holiday and what have you. Yeah. I looked at the wheel, the paintwork was cracked on it, and I thought, right, I'll have to take that up with him later. Yeah. Chucks it in back of the car, uh, didn't really give it much thought. When he comes back off the holiday, uh, I've took it to go and get it um, uh, retired. Yeah. Gets to the garage and he says, uh, oh, can't retire that. He's bent the whole rim this rac bloke is bent the whole rim it's cracked all the uh, actual metal it's not just paint it's the metal that's cracked uh, you know he were giving it some right good solid wax and yeah he's basically is f the tire up uh, f the wheel up totally wow. totally f it um the good news is rac have actually i got a price for a new one and it's stupid money for these bloody alloys yeah um I've rung the RAC up and they've sent a representative out to look at it. He took one look at the wheel and he just says, yeah, that's our fault. We'll be paying for that. No worries. Um, the quote I give him included the price of the tyre, so I've got the tyre for nothing. The chap at the garage sorted that out for me. But, yeah, such a brutal git. And he says, I mean, we had no end of problems as well because he says, well, you should have filled a uh, form in after he's visited you, you know, to say that he's been out. I says, no. I said, he did it, got the wheel on, jumped in his van and drove off. Oh, wow. And he says, um, well, no, he's supposed to, you should have filled this in. I said, well, I didn't know that. I've only just joined the bloody RAC. Yeah, so, yeah, that it. was, yeah, it's yeah, you have, you have like a uh, questionnaire. questionnaire. And um, it logs the job to that driver. Yeah. Right. Because I've no evidence of it, they had to do a lot of research into finding this driver. And to be honest with you, the driver's attitude itself, he were, you know, he got a right chip on his shoulder. But the, I mean, I, I, I can't grumble because the, it, it was just that one bloke. I think, I think they've just got um, one bloke that's going to be seriously reprimanded. Um, the chap that came out to see us is actually a fitter himself, but then he's like a regional supervisor. Right. Uh, okay. And he, he couldn't have been any nicer he literally took one look at the wheel and no umming and ahhing just says no that's it we're paying i'll tell you now we are paying for that there's no way you take a hammer a mallet or whatever it was to the face of a wheel you know wow. so yeah it's um the git <laughs> <laughs> but obviously i'm paranoid i'm driving around all week down south with no spare wheel you know and yeah yeah i'd like to say it was just uh it was just a nightmare getting there but once we were there it was nice to sit on clapton beach for the whole of 
Yeah, I think you only get about five minutes before you got to move because the tide's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast of the week this week. It's it's something that I'm quite close to. It's happy times. It's basically one of our again one of our imaginary friends, so to speak, Tim uh, or Trekkie Geek as he is on most of the forums and also on Twitter. And what he does, he he just does a very short, bite-sized podcast, um, no more than about 10 minutes long. And he just goes over the latest apps that he's got on his um, iPhone. But the good thing is, what he'll do, he'll stick to the budget ones. I think he draws a line at um, two quid and the bargains it can get for under two quid. And he just runs through them. Most of them have been free ones or 59 pence ones anyway, have they? I, I mean, I think I, he... to be honest with you, I don't know why I listen because I've only got the iPod Classic. I'm, I'm listening to what I can't have, but I, I do. I listen. It's like speedboat, isn't it? Let's see what you've could have won. If, in fact, if, 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 Tim, if you're listening and I've not been answering you on Twitter, it's because you've made me mad. <laughs> you're rubbing my nose in it. No, but to be honest, I mean, I, the the absolute is running through. Some of them I've already got. Some of them I didn't know about. I mean, there was a particular one he went through called the Dax Hotel. I believe and it, it's kind of geeky but it's every single star trek episode a synopsis for them um and images for them as well um so basically you carry around like a portable um star trek bible so to speak uh, which goes through everything for each of the episodes which is just absolutely fantastic and it's no, not something i would have found Star Wars if- all the way forget your track <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not an app i would have ever looked for but as you mentioned it on there i think i was downloading it as as i was listening to the podcast um but yeah very very good podcast if you've got an I- iphone or an ipod touch let me have um, it. <laughs> <laughs> Let him have it so I can shut him up. <laughs> but yeah, you can find him at Happy Times. So happy, but without the H. Um, so A double P Y Times. So the, the website is happytimes.podbean.com. There's no www. Or you can find him just by going onto our iTunes. It's Happy Times, A double P Y T I M E S. Search on that. And I think he's up to episode eight. I think I listened to it at the weekend. But he very is, good. Uh, Episode eight, Run P, which, which is, is a fantastic app. Absolutely, it's, fantastic. it's an it's an app that tells you when you when can go to, to the go toilet. and urinate in a film. So if you're at the cinema and you sat, I think he said it only works on iPhone. He says, um, and basically, you can sit there and you can think, I'm busting to go. You look at it and you think, ah, right, three minutes after this scene, I can go because there's nothing happens after that. But then he looked through it and realised that actually they got it wrong on Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> You've missed some very important bits. But yeah, he, he gives it a review. That's the idea of it. He reviews it and lets you know. Yeah. Right, well, if you want to get hold of us, um, obviously find us on the redwarfforum.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's twitter.com forward slash redwarfforum. Or if you want to send us in an email, send it to scuttercast at redwarfforum.com. Uh, there's a running theme in there, as you can probably see. <laughs> What's that? okay well that's it from us um do you want to just lead us out nick yeah well the next episode reviewing is called maroon so see you then yep see you in two weeks goodbye bye